as I can. Thanks, bud. All right. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We're going to be in verse we're going to be in verses 17 to 21. 17 to 21. If you're there, let me hear you honk your horn. <laughs> it's always a fun sound. I will miss I, I'm looking forward to the day where we get to say a word again or amen and hallelujah. I'm excited for the day where we get to see your hands lifted high and praise to God. I'm excited for the day when we get to hug and shake hands and that'll be a good day. Acts 5 verse 17. Let's go ahead and read it and uh, we'll jump into it. So Acts 5 verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all of who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the opportunity we get to hear your word proclaimed. Use me as you see fit. Help us this morning. Your son's precious name we pray. Amen. All right. I know recently President Trump came on the television. Do we still call it televisions? Came on the TV and he announced that he believes churches and worship services are essential. I'm thankful for a president that's willing to make a stand like that to claim that worship services in churches are essential. The only thing that I want to say with that is, is I don't need a president to tell me whether or not a worship service is essential. I don't need a governor to tell me whether or not a worship service is essential. God's Word tells us worship is essential. I know that today it seems like the church is encountering a lot of opposition. Should we open? Shouldn't we open? If you open, you're putting people in danger. If you don't open, you're just disobeying God's Word. And, and it, there's just so much opposition, not only among the governing authorities but even opposition among the people themselves within the church. But here's something that we need to see, and we're going to see it this morning in our text. And this is just the next text that we're tackling in the book of Acts. I didn't bring this out for any special reason. But the church is no stranger when it comes to opposition. The church, ever since it was started has encountered opposition. The church, ever since it was formed and brought about, ever since it was birthed, has encountered opposition. And let me tell you something today, church. It's, it's Memorial Day weekend. We, we, we get to grill out tomorrow, possibly. We get to celebrate the fact that we have Freedom because people gave their lives for the sake of our freedom. 
But let me tell you something. Memorial Day reminds us of the fact that even though we have freedom to worship, that freedom has to be fought for. And even though we have freedom to worship today, let me tell you, as we're going to see in today's text and as we're going to see in the future, the church will always be in opposition. People will always oppose the church until Christ returns. There will be opposition, whether it's from governing authorities, whether it's from people outside the church, whether it's from people inside the church, or whether it's from spiritual forces, we need to understand that the church will be opposed. But this is what I want to tell you this morning. This is the main idea for my message this morning. It's this. It's five words. Last week was four words. Last week we looked at how God builds his church. Today I want to tell you God's church can't be stopped. God's church cannot be stopped. No matter how much opposition the church takes on, no matter how much persecution comes to the church, no matter how many times people try to shut you down, no matter how many times people try to burn your church down, which we've seen happen this week in America, not just in China, but in America, if you're not aware, a church burned down this past week. They were in defiance of the governing authority. They were staying open but people decided to take it upon themselves to burn the church down. Whether or not you believe the church should have been open, that church should not have been burnt down. God's church cannot be stopped. And we're going to see it in today's text. We see... Uh, a continuing narrative in the book of Acts. We see these apostles who, who were recently at the end of chapter 4 approached by the religious authorities to be told not to preach this, this message anymore. And then now we see here that they're still preaching that message. That they're not going to stop preaching that message. They're not going to stop heralding the gospel that saves what we see is we see a group of people who are willing to stand firm, who are willing to stand up, who are willing to be faithful to the calling, to the mission that they've been given, Acts 1.8. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And church, we've been given a mission. That mission of Acts 1.8 <clears throat> Explain your sneeze. I had a gnat flow up my nose. The mission of Acts 1-8 is the same mission that the church has been given today. It's the same mission that the church was given in the book of Acts. We still are in that mission to be witnesses, even in the face of opposition. No matter who comes our way, no, whether it's governing authorities, whether, whether it's individual peoples, whether it's against the church locally or as a whole, or whether it's against you individually, we will be opposed. We might not be opposed directly today, 
But I do believe there will come a day where the church in America will be opposed. There are people in America who hate the church and who want to see the church shut their doors. There are people in America who want to see the church fail. But those are not the only forces that are in, in opposition to the church. Even Satan wants to see the church fail. And we see it at the beginning of chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Satan steps in and he's trying to bring opposition to the church. So whether it's physical forces or spiritual forces, there's opposition. So I've got three things this morning that the church is going to do, the church should do, as they continue to share that message. Because, what's the main idea? God's church cannot be stopped. Here's the first thing. God's church cannot be stopped because they stand firm in opposition. God's church cannot be stopped because they stand firm in opposition. Look at verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. The apostles who were at the temple, who were preaching and teaching, who were healing people, the Sadducees have come and they've arrested them. It says that, that they are filled with jealousy. If you, again, I would circle that word jealousy. They're filled with jealousy. What are they jealous about? They're jealous, number one, because the apostles are gaining the people's attention. The apostles are gaining a crowd. Now, we don't see that around churches today, do we, where churches get jealous of other churches because they're bigger or better, because they have a better budget, or because their mission teams are going all over the place, or because they got a multi-million dollar facility. We don't see jealousy across churches today, do we? We do. But the Sadducees are, are, are jealous, not just because the apostles are gaining attention. They're jealous because of the signs and miracles that they're doing through the preaching of the resurrection. See, there's something you need to know about the Sadducees. We discussed it earlier, but the Sadducees deny resurrection. So when they say that Christ has been, has been risen again, that Christ has risen from the dead, Rosen, they deny it. They think it's blasphemy. They, they, they call it false teaching. But not only is that the reason why they are jealous, thirdly, they are jealous because they, they're, they're defying a previously prohibit, prohibition They've already been told once to stop preaching by them. But yet they've continued. Why? They've stood firm in opposition. They didn't back down. They haven't stopped. Just because people don't like the fact that they're preaching the gospel, they're not stopping. They stood firm. And let me tell you, church, there are going to be people who don't like the fact that you're a Christian. There are going to be people who don't like you because you do because you believe the Bible and not the world. There are going to be people who hate you because you disagree with their lifestyle. You are going to encounter opposition. 
We live in a postmodern time. The church is in opposition. Here we see the apostles, they're standing firm. They've been told at the end of Acts 8, at the end of Acts 4, stop preaching. And then what did Peter say? I can't help but to preach. Do you, do you feel that? Do you, do you have that angst in you, that unction inside of you of what the gospel's done within your life that you can't help but to preach the gospel? That you can't help but to teach what Christ has done for you? That you can't help but to share that? The apostles have that unction. Church, we need to have that unction. We need to be willing to stand firm no matter what comes our way because of what Christ has done for us. They're standing firm because Christ stood firm. John 13, 1, Jesus loved them till the end. He stood firm on that cross when he endured the suffering of the sins of his people. He didn't back down. He could have. He didn't complain. He could have. He didn't get off that cross. He could have. He stood firm in the midst of opposition. Why? Because it was God's will for him to die. Just that it is God's will for the church to preach the gospel. We are to stand firm in opposition. Just like Martin Luther, one of the founding fathers in the, in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms, when he was approached by the Roman Catholic Church to repudiate everything he has written and said. Martin Luther, who is now preaching the gospel. You know what Luther says after he was told to stop, to take it all back? He says, here I stand. I can do no other. Church, can we say that? Can you individually say that? What if you were alone in it? What if you were the only person? Could you stand firm in opposition? These apostles are not backing down. And what do the what do the, do the Sadducees do? Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and they put them in the in the public prison. What does that mean? They put them in a public prison to make a public display of what's going on. They're trying to make a point here to the other people, to the other believers to stop preaching the gospel because this is what's going to happen. They're trying to make an example out of them. But they won't back down. They won't back down. The Sadducees feel threatened. They, they, they have control of the Jewish council and they've, they've compromised with the, with, with the Romans to share power. And they know that if there's any type of disruption, then they're going to lose that power. That the Romans are going to be upset. So they're trying to shut it down, but not only because of that, but because they disagree with what the apostles are preaching. So not only are the apostles standing firm in opposition, remember God's church cannot be stopped because they stand firm in, in opposition. Secondly, God's church cannot be stopped because they trust in God's deliverance. 
They trust in God's deliverance. Look at verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Do you see the irony here? Not only do the Sadducees disbelieve in a, a physical resurrection, they also don't believe in angels. So not only are the apostles preaching resurrection, and not only are they commanded to here in verse 20 to go and preach resurrection, but they're also rescued by an angel. It's like God's trying to tell the Sadducees something. The church trusts in God's deliverance. The apostles were delivered out of prison here. This angel shows up. This is not Jesus. In the book of Acts, when Jesus is there, it's mentioned as Jesus. But this angel of the Lord is brought by God and rescues the apostles. Church, in the midst of our opposition, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our persecution, no matter what comes our way, we are to trust in God's deliverance. But let me tell you this, he might not always deliver you how you want to be delivered. Following Christ, being a part of the church, sharing the gospel, does not promise a life free from suffering. In fact, the gospel, Jesus even promises that you will suffer. He tells us you will be persecuted. Luke 21, Jesus says, they will lay their hands on you. They will deliver you to prisons. Some of you they will put to death. So hear me say this, not always are we going to be delivered how we want to be delivered. I was talking to one of our church members. I don't know if she's here, but I'm sure she'll be okay with me sharing this. But y'all know Marilyn Curley, her brother, had hospice called in on him this past week. And he's been suffering for some time now. But when I spoke to Marilyn about it, she said, she said, we're praying for him to be delivered. She said, but we know either he's going to be delivered or he's going to be delivered. Either he's going to be delivered from this cancer or he'll be delivered into new life. And we have to understand, church, that as believers in Christ, as believers in, in Christ, God is greater than our sickness. God is greater than our trials and our suffering. In fact, God is sovereign over all those things. But what we need to understand that as believers in Christ, we will be delivered. We will be delivered. Whether we're physically de delivered or whether we're delivered into e eternal life. One of these days, every single one of us, every single one of us, the angel of deliverance will not come for a physical deliverance. Every single one of us, that will happen. But what we can believe and what we can trust in is God's deliverance. 
Because what we see here, the apostles here are delivered out of prison. But yet we later see in, in a few chapters later that they're not delivered out of prison. And these apostles who are delivered out of prison now, they all died. They all died for the sake of the gospel. Some of them were beheaded. Some of them were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul, who we're going to later get to, was beheaded. John, the, the, the apostle, was boiled. Boiled. Do you hear me? And then exiled on the island of Patmos where he lived the rest of his life. We have apostles who were stabbed, who were thrown off the roof. They know what it means to be delivered by God. And they trust in God's deliverance. They knew the cost. And church, let me tell you, the cost of following Christ may seem free, but it's costly. Are you willing to give your life for the gospel? Are you willing to give your life for what Christ has done for you? Because he gave his for you. Luke 21, I just shared it. It said, they will lay their hands on you and deliver you to prison. Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Why does he say that? Because of eternal life. The Sadducees deny an eternal life. They deny angels. But yet God sends an angel to deliver the apostles out of prison to do what? To go preach about eternal life. And the Sadducees, they don't even know this is happening. It's the, it's, it's the next day when they find out. So we trust in God's deliverance. Church, let me tell you, do you trust in God's deliverance? Do you trust that no matter what trial you're going through or no matter what suffering you're enduring, are you trusting in God's deliverance? Let me tell you, he's not always going to rescue you how you want to be rescued. But we have to trust him. Because his ways are better than our ways. God's church cannot be stopped because they trust in God's deliverance. Not only that, but number three. God's church cannot be stopped because they walk in faithful obedience. They walk in faithful obedience. Verse 21. And when they, the apostles, heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. What were they delivered to do? They were delivered to proclaim the gospel. They were delivered to give glory to God. They were delivered for another day to glorify God in living on mission. So church, we see that these apostles were physically delivered so that others may be spiritually delivered. We see that these apostles who were delivered from the gates of prison 
were sent out to preach the gospel. That's why they were delivered. Church, that's no different for us today. We've been delivered by the prison of our sin so that we may proclaim the glories and the mercies of Christ. We've been delivered by death, by God from death, so that we may proclaim life. In verse 20, when the angel says to go and speak the words of this life, in my translation, life is capitalized. Life is a name. What is the angel talking about? Go and preach Christ and preach Christ crucified and resurrected. John, John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the life that, that, that we are called to proclaim. And we are delivered spiritually. And because we've been delivered from our sin, from the prison of our sin, and from the prison of death, we are called to proclaim the glories and mercies of Christ. And let me tell you, church, the church cannot be stopped. You cannot be stopped. They can try to shut your mouths, but we can't help but to preach. We may be told to disobey. We may be told to, to disbelieve and to recant everything we say and believe. But like Luther, we are to say, here I stand. I can do no other. Like these apostles, we're to obey. Whether we're delivered from our trials or whether we are just delivered from our, from our sin. We are delivered so that we may live another day to glorify him and to preach the gospel. So church, God's church cannot be stopped. The Sadducees tried to shut them up. The Sadducees tried to arrest them, but even their prisons couldn't hold them. The Sadducees tried to keep them quiet, but you cannot stop preaching if you've been saved by Jesus Christ. You cannot stop sharing the gospel if you've been saved by Jesus Christ. We should want to shout it from the rooftops. If you truly know the grace of God and the glories of Christ, and if you truly knew the reality of hell and the depravity of man, you would be storming the streets with the gospel. Church, we are commissioned. We are commanded. We are sent to live on mission. We who have been delivered are delivered to preach so that others may be de delivered. They have been delivered to preach the words of life, Jesus Christ. So church, this is, this is my urge for you this morning. We should live a life that rests in the mercies and glories of Jesus Christ. That's what the apostles are doing. This is not a command to be saved. This is not something they're doing so that they can earn God's favor. They're doing this because they've been saved. They're doing this because they know Jesus. 
They, they're doing this because they've spent time with Jesus. So church, what I want to urge with you this morning is this. May we live a life that glorifies God in the, pro, in the proclamation of the gospel. May we live a life that glorifies God that no matter what opposition comes our way, no matter what trial or tribulation comes our way, we're still going to be faithful to who Christ is. May we like Paul proclaim that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. May we ever live like that. Is Christ your treasure? Because if he's your treasure, then he's worth dying for. Is Christ your life? Because if he's your life, he's worth living for. So church, we will face opposition. But we are called to stand firm in, in, in opposition. We are called to trust in God's deliverance. And we are called to walk in faithful obedience. Why? Because one, we the church have been delivered. And two, God's church cannot be stopped. And it never will. The gates of hell will not prevail. The church will ever continue on. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Father God, we pray. Lord, give us a heart for you. Give us an unction for who you are. Help us to see the truth of your word. Help us to see that your church cannot be stopped. God, help us to stand firm and in opposition. Help us to trust in your deliverance. Help us to walk in faithful obedience because you are a good God. And because you are faithful to us, help us to be faithful to you. We thank you. We thank you for your son who died to purchase us. Help us to proclaim that truth this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.